Hey guys, for those of you who don't know, May 3rd is a very special day for the Launchpad podcast. In fact, this day, 2017, we released our first episode. It's a birthday! So, happy birthday to the Launchpad podcast. From us, we want to thank all of our listeners who have been with us on this incredible journey. Six years we've been doing this podcast. We've been having so much fun, some incredible guests. More to go. We're not slowing down. But we've picked up a lot of friends and a lot of listeners along the way. So, you know, even though it's our birthday, you're kind of the ones who made it happen. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for interacting with us and reaching out to us on our YouTube and our social media. And we really appreciate you guys. So, yeah, thanks for listening. And for those of you who came on day one, like the four of you who listened to our first episode, uh, we appreciate you guys so much. So thank you. Launchpad podcast. Now let's get on with the show. All right. Welcome to the Launchpad podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Matt, what are we going to talk about today? Oh, we're talking about Scream 6. Oh, okay. That's going to be fun. All right. Remember all that. You got to know that business. Like and subscribe on launchpadpod.com. All right. You mind if all I do right. it? <laughs> I mean, that was pretty good, but do you mind if I do it? I mean... But can you please do it the same voice and the same inclination as the intonation? I think I'm purposefully trying not to do that. Can I do it? Can I do it poorly? Can I do a poor, uh, like a, a bad job? Yeah, you're your you're your own boss. Don't 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 let's don't ask me for what you can do. Hey guys, follow us on social media. What that's what we're doing now. That's what we sound like. Uh, follow us on social media: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod. Our website: LaunchpadPod.com. Uh, hit like and subscribe. Tell your friends about us. Uh, we got a lot of new listeners now. Thanks, guys, for sticking with us. Today, uh, a sixth film in a franchise discussion. Pretty exciting. Not too many movies even make it that far. So when a franchise... Uh, I was thinking a lot about that. Make it six. Uh, we're talking Scream 6, of course. The new Scream iteration just came out on digital. So time to talk about it because Matt and I don't get to go to movies. What are we? What are you, the <laughs> young people? God. Uh, yeah, talk about Scream 6. What do you guys think of it? Let us know on that social media. But... Till then, let's get on with the show. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Lift off. We have a lift off. All right, welcome to Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Matt. Well, Matt, today we're talking about Scream 6, Ghostface takes Manhattan. We're excited. Does he? <laughs> I mean, he took Manhattan more than Jason did. He took an apartment <laughs> in Manhattan. <laughs> he took an apartment, a ladder, arguably an alley, a, a subway. subway, a bodega. I mean, that's pretty New York centric. I mean, he... He didn't storm Times Square, but like... Neither did Jason. Jason walked through it. Yeah, and everybody was like, whoa, Jason, yeah! It was pretty great. Um, I mean, he took Manhattan more than Jason did, so still to this day, I think um, the only only monster to take Manhattan is Godzilla. Cloverfield. <laughs> I guess Cloverfield, too. <laughs> good call, good call. Well, I just um, realized something. I heard about this movie as Scream in New York, but all of the print media that I physically saw with my eyes 
said scream and the m was the m at the end of scream was drawn in a way to have a, the roman numeral vi in it which i think is pretty cool uh, yeah, that was very pretty neat very good graphic design good job that, on that. that actually sounds more like you're watching what would that be sia seal screel screel yeah it'd be screel screel six <laughs> <laughs> but no like that was cool and i guess when you say jason takes manhattan which was the title of that film right it was it, it, that's what they called it friday the 13th part eight jason takes manhattan i'm envisioning a king kong sized jason climbing <laughs> the tower climbing the empire state building and just fucking dudes up with a giant machete that's what i want but that's never going to happen. Who so. would be who would be the little girl? The Faye the Faye Ray, is that what her name? Yeah, the, Faye, the little, who would be who would be his yeah, Faye Ray? His mother? His mother, right? <laughs> just, her little sweater. just her head. Just her head. Just stuck on top of the Empire State Building. Like a little olive on a toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I I was thinking cuz the whole time I was watching Scream 6, I was like this I mean this arguably could be any other location. They're not showing any New York, like they're not making it a New York centric thing, which then I think about, I guess, if they calling it Scream or Scream 6, you don't owe me any New York because you're not in the title. When you say takes Manhattan, you are making New York part of the deal. When you just say Scream 6, okay, it doesn't matter if it's in New York. What part of New York didn't they give you? You got a subway, you got a bodega, you got apartment buildings. Generally, like, that's that what New York an, is. That could have been many other cities. In, Are you the in type of guy who goes world. to New York? You're like, I want to see Times Square. I want to go to the island. Stabbing people on top of like uh, the Statue of Liberty crowd. No, so, like, but I feel like you want to see the tourist greatest hits. Like, I mean, they went to Central Park. They were on well, the but subway. I feel like, like J- Jason takes Manhattan takes place and was made in a different time frame, right? Like the New York, especially the Times Square, let's just say of that era new york is different than what we know now so 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 i feel like this hit a bunch of new york staples what is missing like what would have added it and you're like yeah he went to new york he got a pizza gino's he yeah, got some like, subs yeah, like- <laughs> he, he went to chinatown like what what did you need him to do to make it new york hey taxi yeah i guess that would have been well like what what makes this more new york than say chicago or boston or whatever because like Boston has an underground transit system and this one, there was nothing New York about that subway. It was just a subway and subway. Sure. Yes, is a New York thing. Um, but I, I, I'm not I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not complaining about that because any other movie that takes place in New York, unless it has New York in the title, you don't owe me any New but York. You could just take place there. And I that's think what you- this movie did. I think you could say that about any movie in any city. Like, like when we're in, like p- people would complain that Candyman doesn't play take place in Chicago. No, they literally say it takes place in Chicago. It only works in Chicago because Cabrini Green is a famous uh, housing complex there. Uh, you know, uh, but like, I, I guess I don't know. I, well, I guess like, like Candyman takes place in Chicago and it has some Chicago things in it, right? Specifically, that one he doesn't go get deep dish. Well, but that's but it's not called Candyman is in Chicago. If the movie was titled Candyman fuck Chicago up, I want to see him fucking up some deep dish. But if it's not in the title, you don't owe that to me. Does that make sense? I might be wrong, but that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. No, I I hear you. I hear you. This isn't you're not alone. And I don't necessarily disagree with you. It is. It was very much like it could have. They could have filmed it anywhere. You know, it being in New York isn't central to the plot other than that's where they moved to. And it's a different location, regardless of whether you believe it's New York or not. They could have filmed in Vancouver. Who gives a shit? 
it's a different location than we've ever seen Ghostface go to. Yeah, and it was cool and it definitely worked. And like, like I said, the fact that the subway, I, I, you know, the subway scenes were not shot in such a way where you're like, oh, yeah, that's New York, the architecture or the streets. But it doesn't matter because that was not essential to the plot. That was not promised to me in the title. And the movie was cool. And it was the first kind of urban, urban ghost face we'd seen in, the, in this in this way. And I thought it was, you know, for the sixth movie in a franchise, it was fine. What did Here, you think? Here's what I'll say. For the sixth film in a franchise, it had great set pieces. Whoever wrote this, the, the people that wrote this, the committee that wrote this, um, they know how to write interesting ideas. The latter scene, I thought, was cool. I thought Agreed. the I thought the subway scene was pretty damn effective. I thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. I really liked um, the the movie theater fight was 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 good. There were there were things they did very effective. Our first kill. Here's a good example of what my point is, though. You have good set pieces and good ideas, but like a 24 hour film marathon, when when people get together to do a 24 hour movie, mm-hmm. you're given things that you have to use. You got to use a tea kettle, guys, and ice. Hmm. And you have to figure out how to work that into your story. I feel like these guys were like, hey, we have these really cool ideas. Could be in any slasher movie. But they're cool, right? We, we're trying to make them city centric. Great. You have to have the scene where they explain the rules. Right. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. oh, my God. So and you got to have this opening kill that has to go this way. And they're like, OK, well, we're going to put a twist on like, OK, but you got to get back to the original thing first. And you're like, all right, it had to hit certain beats. Sure, those, sure. Those beats drug it down. Scream six was brought down by the scream of itself. Like. Literally. I think that's true, and I felt the same way about Scream Five, which I admit I don't yeah. remember a shit ton of. Wait, no. was Scream Five was Scream Five the one that had the boy in it from Thirteen Things that I don't remember or whatever that show was called? He got stabbed in the face, and it was a really or in the neck, and it was a really good kill, and that was the best thing I remember from the movie. That was the one that kept teasing in the in the in his kitchen. He kept opening yep. the refrigerator and closing. That's that the was best five, scene, of the, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the best scene in that movie for sure. That movie sure. was fine, but I agree with you big time. They were pull, they were screaming so hard that. It was like, just just let the movie go. You were doing fine. You don't have to remind me that I'm in the Scream franchise that hard. I mean, I get that's part of the thing, but it's almost like putting two mirrors against each other. It yep. just becomes so self-reflexive that it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And, and I think that, that it's really hard. And they're trying desperately to like have new characters. Okay, cool. But if I didn't care about the characters from the last movie, they're like, well, you better care about them now. And they did a better <laughs> job about making these characters likable in this film. Like I I, I sure. felt they did a better job, but they were like, hey, remember these people from the last movie? And I was like, honestly, I don't. I Sorry. don't, yeah. So then they bring out Hayden Penetinantinature and you're like, wait, which one was she in one of the I know she was in She like, was in Scream Four. She was in Scream Four, which is is my that was the first one she was in? Yeah. Okay. She was only in Scream Four. Yeah, one and done. And and okay, you're like, all right, all right I guess. Um, but here, here's the thing: in our first kill, we have Samara weaving. She's at a restaurant, and she's you know she does the first phone call, and she's lured down the alley in a pretty effective. Love this whole sequence. I love yeah. the phone call. I love the way it's played out. Yeah, really effective. Well done. And and then she gets stab, 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 stab. And and in that stabbing, then the ghost face leans down into her and pulls his mask off. And I was like. Yeah, what? I thought that too. I was like, get the fuck out of here. You're revealing the killer in the first sh- scene? Flash Thompson's the killer? Yeah. From the new spider? I was way into that. I, I was, was like, too. And I was, I was like, too. I loved it. Because look, several films I, that I can't remember off the top of my head, maybe you can help <laughs> me, maybe our audience can help us, um, have 
revealed the killer early as a gimmick to then keep you strung along through the whole movie to try and figure out what's going on. It usually happens in thrillers. And mm-hmm. it's like, that takes a lot of gumption. That takes a lot of story craft to be able to yeah. pull that off and to keep it interesting. This movie immediately was like, oh, we're, that's a little too big for our bridges. We're going to dial that back and kill him immediately. You could have kept that going for a, a lot longer than they did. It would have been interesting to have killers that you think you think these are the killers, but then more kills start happening and the two roommates are blaming each other. Wouldn't that have been interesting? Yeah, if you're they're right. Like, Actually, there's your movie. That's what the yeah. movie should have been. It should have been following two Ghostface wannabes and and bouncing back and forth between them and our main characters. The whodunit of it all is which one of these roommates is doing the killing and which one is like is trying to kill the other and you know framing them and the paranoia of their relationship breaking down. That would have been an interesting movie. That would have been really twisted and pretty fucked up. And like, oh, I loved in his apartment. Um, he has a last podcast on the left poster. I saw that, and I was like, yeah. man, I hope that's that's my goal. Is I want to, I want someone to have a launchpad podcast symbol in their sixth movie in a franchise. <laughs> yeah, right. So that the next generation of know-it-all douchebags on the podcasts could be like, hey, did you notice the launchpad podcast? In the the Halloween fourteen, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did like it. I did. <laughs> it wasn't as close to Halloween twenty two as I thought it was. Yeah, except this was just called Halloween again. They just like just called Halloween. It's like Halloween they just, twenty. They just 36. put a they, they put an accent over the e for no reason. Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So that was cool. Uh, but wait, let's let. Can I explore part of that for a second? Yeah, yeah, please do. I I loved that. I loved that they pulled that mask off because in a double reflexive meta moment, I was like, "Fuck!" They are subverting all expectations by doing something that none of the movies have done before, and they're telling me now. And I immediately was like, "Well, what what are you going to tease along for the rest of the episode or the episode, the rest of the movie then?" Because you've shown me something that we usually is a reveal at the end. I was so into it. And then I was like, then he gets home and he gets a phone call from the real ghost face. And you're like, oh, I mean, still fine. But let me ask you this. I love your idea for the two roommates uh, and, and they're blaming each other and the paranoia that spirals out of that. Do you need to have any of the Woodsboro, Woodsboro casts in that movie or can it just be? a completely different cast in the same universe or do you need someone or something from the old movies to tie it in um producers in hollywood think you need it obviously this is this is where i say you don't i don't need luke skywalker to ever be related to another star wars movie that i was just gonna say that again I don't ever need Leia. I don't ever need a Yoda. I don't ever need to find out where Boba Fett got his armor from. I don't need any of that. Just tell me stories that are completely unrelated, completely 100% untethered to the original material, because at this point, the original material is dragging it down, period. And in this in this case, you know, you're talking about like Star Wars, right? And that's exactly what I was going to relate it to, is you have this new Star Wars trilogy, which I think is fine. But it's not good. And I think the main thing about it that keeps it from being good is you're trying to tell different or the same stories with different characters, but the same characters. Get the fuck away from it. Give me one about a bounty hunter. Give me one about um, a resistance guy his calling to the resistance. That shit is interesting enough. And you have literally what a galaxy, the, right? What is the best Star Wars show that's been out? Andor. It has nothing to do with right. Luke Skywalker. Right. And no you don't need Leia's. it to, right? Nothing. 
when you think about Scream and the Scream universe, the in-franchise, the in-canon universe, this has now been a, a series of real, you know, in the, in the context of the films, murders that have made, they've spawned a horror movie franchise, which is a compounding thing of the more movies they make, the more they inspire these murders, the more murders they have, the more movies they make. You can keep adding on to that building in that universe forever. So why couldn't you have a movie, like you say, that got two people who are inspired by the real murders slash the movies, and they're doing something wherever the fuck they are, New York or not, somewhere that's not Woodsboro. We don't need, like, we certainly don't need characters who are descendants of the first film. I don't need a direct tie that bad. Just the fact that a copycat murder happened in Woodsboro and involved people is fine. You don't even need that, but like, fine. Why does it have to be Billy Loomis's daughter like i get that you're trying to make it is it in the blood is she gonna be a killer but like no she's not we we except she is she's killed like seven people now (laughs) all in self-defense and they were all bad people and she does it in a final girl protagonistic way yeah but she's murdered a lot of people now at no point like all people in this movie are like you're a murderer did you murder do you like murdering and billy loomis keeps coming up to her in those little visions and oh kill for me don't you want to kill no she hasn't any of the time we've known her, we don't really care about that storyline. Why would she want to kill? You're trying so hard to make this something that is like a will she, won't we? Well, will she, won't she? The answer is she won't. She hasn't yet. Here's what Hollywood thinks Scream is about Woodsboro. Scream is about a. it can be anybody. They're in a ghost face mask and Roger L. Jackson does the voice. That's all you need. Those are three components. It's like, it's a whodunit. And I think there was an element of it being very meta and like a commentary on horror when the first one came out. Guess what? I don't think you need to do that anymore. I think you can make self-referential ideas to movies and draw on things that are are references to movies and have people be aware of movies and be smart because of the movies they've watched. But the shoehorning the Randy speech into every one of these films, here are the rules. No, stop that. Because it it worked in the first movie. It doesn't work anymore. Guys, we're in a franchise. That's stupid. Instead, talk about horror movie franchises, but don't try to shoehorn it into what you're doing specifically we just write it a little bit tighter you could have the same information presented to the characters and to the audience just don't make it a on an apple box speech yeah right that felt so shoehorned in in the worst way and like i have nothing against that character the randy kid the randy nieces or whatever but like the every time they talked i was just rolling my eyes because they're like this is like what happened but they didn't mention any movies that like this is what it happened in The original Randy was a video store nerd who kept talking about movies and being like, this is like that. He didn't say we are that. He's like he was making comparisons to the things he had seen. And this movie was like, this is that. But then didn't actually name any movies that did this properly. Like, just oh, my God. And later we'll get into (laughs) it. Anyway. Yeah. um, There's this whole thing. Yeah, go ahead something good that you just said yeah you said all you need and you listed two things and then you said roger jackson roger jackson does such a good fucking job like always the character so the beginning scene of this made me think of that first phone call it's supposed to right but the first phone call to uh drew barrymore in the first one yeah and he's kind of charming in a way in the beginning of that phone call to drew barrymore because he's kind of flirty. He's kind of talking about horror movies. 
he's disarming and then he gets a little weird and then he gets hardcore creepy and i feel like that's how this oh i'm sorry for this date i'm kind of lost Ugh, i didn't want this to be my first impression what does it look like i don't see red do you see red i thought that was a good build-up and i like that too and then when roger jackson takes over the way he talks even when he's not being threatening ghostface when he's just like we know, at this point now in the sixth movie we know when you hear that voice right yeah um but when he is, it's just so it is. I would say his voice is as recognizable and straight to the vein as the mask itself. Right. hundred percent. It's that important. And we've talked to him before. We've had him on the show before. We might have him on the show again soon. Ooh. Nudge, nudge. Wink, wink. Did you, as someone who knows him and has talked to him and has someone talked, he's talked to you, Rumi, in the ghost face voice. I, I've gotten a ghost face call, yeah. For those of you guys who haven't heard, we have a two, it's from years ago. We had a two-part episode where me and Aaron run down the Scream franchise at that point, and I met Roger Jackson, and who's the voice of Ghostface, the actor who plays Ghostface's voice. I had him call into our show and Aaron didn't know that I didn't was going to do that. Oh, it was and one I was of the best texting Roger Jackson about what shirt Aaron had on, his dog, his dog's name, other stuff in the apartment. So it was like, dude, wasn't it like being in the fucking movie? I honestly had a moment of fear. Like there was a moment of just like, <laughs> is that try to kill me? The fuck it was so good it's the best prank ever to have been pulled on me next to an be arf, the best one i've ever done i think next to like, an arf 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 you know good arf 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 <laughs> uh but yeah this is this is a good this this beats that out pretty heftily <laughs> but it's just so cool and you know like literally you have the guy who played ghostface calls yeah and he's fucking with aaron and he's asking him why he's wearing a jason shirt and i'm watching Rumi like look around try to figure out because you knew instantly it was him right it yeah. wasn't a sound alike it was him it, was, it was him just, him yeah it's so fucking surreal when i watch this movie now to be like oh i talked to this guy on the phone recently uh, and it's just so weird it, it's so bizarre and he does it the best and here's the thing when when you talk about all the iterations of scream that come Scream the TV show, their huge mistake was the mask. That was a big mistake. They did some different masks. Season three came back with the mask. They, they, but but, but they, they did all the other ideas. They got, got out of Woodsboro. They got a whole new cast of people. Um, you know, they, they, they had a lot of the elements. They had the voice. They had the phone call. But they just didn't have the mask. Okay, but they tried and they did something different with it. And some people like the show. Not every, sure. no, it's not, and it's not for everybody, but some people do. And but I give it credit for trying something that was in the TV show that they put into this movie when they get to the movie theater. That's like the museum for Ghostface. Mm -hmm. There are these pictures drawn of the death scenes. Yeah. And in the TV show, there was the, the killer was drawing the pictures of the people who were dying. And, and I, I, they might have used the same art artist. It, it was definitely trying to emulate that style from the TV show, which I thought was a really cool nod. Was it supposed to be specifically as if that uh, the guy collecting all that stuff at the end of Scream 6, he had collected stuff from the TV show? Like, is, no. Is that, is that tying the no. universes together? No, I think it was just Im drawn images of the deaths from those, like, from the stuff he had collected. But the drawn images were of that style and got potentially it, got by it. that same artist. I cannot confirm if it was the same artist, but looking at it, it was like, oh, damn, that's pretty cool. But either way, a cool visual tie. A visual tie-in for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like when we get in, there's, there's you know, the, the two sisters, they're in New York, and the older sister, the internet thinks she is a murderer. And this internet truther thing I thought was a very uh, cool idea that was underutilized, and I want to pitch the ending to you later. Mm -hmm. but. 
all these people are like, we know the truth. And in today's age, it's the internet is so wild and dangerous because people are idiots and nobody does any research into truth. And anybody can be like, nah, and people will say, oh, well, it must be true then. It, it, wild to me. The death of truth has, mm-hmm. has been a wild turn for us, you know, in, in the past, what, five years. Yeah. So the internet is is stalking this woman. Um, she finds out her sister's at a party. Uh, I'm not going to get super detailed with with a lot of this, but at the party, uh, one of the roommates is dressed as as somebody from a movie called Murder Party. He's dressed as a cardboard knight, but it's from a movie called Murder Party, which is a pretty good movie. Did you think that was? Because I thought the same thing, but I thought it was not supposed to be a tie to that. I thought it was just cheapo non-registered trademark costume you think it was specifically from that movie it was a hundred percent specifically from that movie because he has the horns on the side this is the same helmet yeah I, th- I did notice that i did notice the similarities but i didn't think it was a call out to it but pretty cool though and if you haven't seen murder party it's pretty cool uh it's it's people send out an invitation and hope a stranger will show up so they can kill him and this guy shows up in a cardboard night costume and he ends up killing all of them it's, it's kind of fun, fun movie it's yeah. almost like one of those oh, i wish i thought of that movies right because it's like you 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 could make that movie it didn't have a huge budget it wasn't like a very big studio produced picture or anything but ah, oh, that was it's a clever little fun film yeah um so then as things keep going down um you know ghostface shows up he starts calling him um there's a really we cool see gail scene. a couple times right so we gail's gail a few times yeah uh there's one of my early scenes at the bodega i really like they go into a little um you know convenience store new york they call them bodegas and ghostface follows them into the little convenience store and starts stabbing the shit Let's out of people. Yeah, yeah. Just stabbing through people to get to the sisters. And the the owner holds out a shotgun and he tries to kill Ghostface with it. And Ghostface comes up, takes it from him and blows his head off. And it's the first time Ghostface, well, uses a gun outside of like... In Ghostface. Mm, yeah, but like, ghost? I'd have to yeah, I'd have to look that up to see if I was right. In some of the final scenes, you know, he he has a gun. They have a gun. She has a gun. You know, a gun a gun is being thrown around in some of the final. But usually, by then the mask is off, right? And we know who the killer is. Yeah, exactly. But this is the first time, like a shotgun. Like, look, that scene is good. That's a good scene. They're crawling Agreed. around on the floor. They're hiding. Um, he's well, I feel like it's very. Them. Um, it's different that scene, right? Because the scene starts with the sisters outside and they get a phone call and it's Roger Jackson Ghostface voice and they're like well you know we're not afraid of you and he says something like well why are you alone or something like that and they turn around and there's a guy in a ghost face mask and they push him and he falls over a bicycle and I was like oh this is a red herring that's just because it's Halloween it's right around Halloween and for some right. reason everyone in quote unquote New York is dressed up multiple days so they push this guy over a bike and, I was, and then they run away and I was like oh this is a red herring that ghost face Hey, and he chases him. And I thought it was going to be some guy. I was like, what the fuck you pushing me for? He burst into the bodega after them. And just some guy at the in the line is like, yo, you got a problem? And he just starts fucking stabbing him. He pushes him out of the way, stabs another guy. And the girls are scrambling to get away. And the bodega owner's like, go out the back door. They try. They can't. We need the key. He pulls out the shotgun. Once Ghostface blasts that guy with a shotgun, they're hiding on the floor. And he's looking for them while shooting the shotgun at different things. And I guess like it's kind of a frantic scene. And then we do get into like he comes in stabbing and then there's a shotgun involved and there's three or four shotgun blasts that result in a murder. And we've never seen something so um, explosively violent, I guess I would say, because of the, the nature of the shotgun, but also that he's just killing random people who are literally standing in line. And I, you, you, you kind of feel like 
in New York City, there's going to be cops coming. There's not a lot of cops in this movie, except when they need them, uh, yeah. when the film needs them. But like he's walking around, stalking them quietly in, in the in the thing. And they're like, try not to crush the rappers. And then it turns into Ghostface. But he's got a gun, which and he's not like you remember the, the scene in the house in the first movie when he's like looking around, and, you know, movement acting. And he's like slinking into the, you know, the next room. This is just him like walking around, looking around. It's got a different feel. And I liked it. I liked that it was a different thing from before. So, yeah, I thought this was a super effective, fun scene. Yeah, we've had. Well, I mean, we've had a few. I mean, it's a good set piece. And really, to me, it set itself apart. I think this is probably one of the more effective scenes. Um, You know, so so they're scared. Uh, The cops are contacting the sisters. They're like, we found your ID at the murder of those two boys from the beginning of the movie. And they're like, oh, no. You meet their roommates, you're meeting their characters. Um, they have this whole conversation about the rules. We're in a franchise. That means anybody. And again, like I said, that just that just pissed me off because it was unnecessary and um, not clever. Uh, and, and again, it was like, you must use this to be a Scream movie. And you're like, mm, 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 I guess. Uh, then we get the, this dope ladder scene. All right. So they're, they're home. They're like, we're going to leave. And... It, and and they're kind of well they're having like a little bit of a celebration i don't know they're ha- they're having dinner together they're 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 having a moment of a win like they're happy about their resolve as a team but across the way there's this character this boyfriend character he sees ghostface is in their roommate's room the roommate's she's bounding away and he sees ghostface and he's screaming at the window nobody's listening to him he's screaming at the the roommate she can't hear him ghostface sees him and he's like waving at him he's screaming trying to get somebody to hear him he's trying to call his girlfriend and like it's a cool like rear window moment right you know where it's like he sees the the danger and nobody can hear him mm-hmm. and nobody's picking up their phone so then the people at the dinner table start hearing screaming and they're like oh it's just her roommate boning which they've established that she's a bone freak yeah yeah and um sex positive sex positive uh and and they go to kick open the door and the door flies open and the roommate comes falling out just blood all over the place and there's ghost face there and it's a pretty good like cat and mouse running through the room he's stabbing other roommates stabbing their friends cutting them up and it's you know blood all over the walls they run into the bathroom and try to hide in there and there's a cut up dead guy in the tub um I, 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 you know and that's that's good stuff like I, I like it when you run in a room there's blood all over the walls and you're just like you are fucked and the boyfriend from across the way, he throws a ladder across. He's like, climb across. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to go well. I love it. I love it. This is great. Oh, yeah. It was a really good idea. Yeah. And so here's another really good set piece where they're trying to c- climb across the ladder. You know, it's, it reminds me of a cliffhanger. You know, they're trying to cl- climb across the ladder and they're they're up five or six stories. And of course, somebody's going to fall off and Ghostface is trying to bust in through the door that they've blockaded. It's a really effective scene. So again, this movie has several very effective, pretty, pretty bitching intense set pieces. It's good. Yeah, I liked it. The one thing that I noticed here, and it does continue throughout the film, is a lot of people get stabbed and don't die. Like in the first couple of movies, there's a couple times he slashes and someone gets a slash, like a red mark or a cut on them. But he plunges his knife into a girl's belly button. And I believe he might even pull it up. That might be later, though. But like there's a couple times Two people get stabbed and stabbed decent one in the shoulder, but it's a stab and the other one right in the stomach, but they don't die. They continue to run around the house. And that I don't 
recall that happening so many times in the other movies. And that happens a lot here. And it's not the last time that happens. It happens throughout the rest of this film as well. I, interesting. I don't know what the realism is. I know if you get stabbed in the gut, you can you can live, you know, right. like like stabbed. You know, I, I know you can get stabbed. I've read stories where people got stabbed like seven times with a kitchen knife and survived because it hits bones and stuff, you know, and, and, you know, you can be hurt really bad, internal bleeding, whatnot. Uh, it's not good, but like when a movie- You heard it here first on the Launchpad podcast. Getting stabbed, not good. Not good. Um, Sometimes I wonder if it's a movie's responsibility to say, to like, you know, if you get stabbed, you can survive for eight minutes. Like, if you're going to break- <laughs> the movie rules and be realistic like do you have to explain that you're being realistic because like you said like that chick who gets stabbed in the gut on the subway and then she ends up being alive i'm like bullshit she but, like, also got stabbed in the shoulder same in the chick, shoulder and she's yeah. still alive later and you're like bullshit but then it's like but well, wait is that real the movie should tell me <laughs> see it's funny you say that because lately i've heard i've heard i've heard and seen many movies that make a statement as truth like they say it as if it's a fact and i'm like oh good to know like it's almost like i can't think of a good example even though i just had i've seen about a bunch lately but like it's almost like most shark attacks happen in just a foot of water but they'll say like a movie will say hey like a character will be like yeah but did you know that most shark attacks happen in one foot of water and they'll say that i'll be like oh i need to remember that and then i'm like wait 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 i need to check a source first, first. <laughs> because i'm watching a fictional movie just because they said it in such a way that I'm believing it for the next two hours doesn't mean that that's the truth. Exactly. Well, and it's like, I'm wondering like, if an EMT at some point in this movie should just be like, well, she only got stabbed in the intestines. So you can survive 13 minutes with that. And it's like, oh, okay. That explains why this movie's doing this. Anyway, uh, their roommate's dead. More people are dead. The cop who was on the case, it's his daughter who died. And he's like, you fuck with my family. You die. He's a really big overactor, but uh, it fits, you know, it's scream. <laughs> the cop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a big we'll overactor. We'll get to that. <laughs> so then, um, so then uh, Hayden Penetier shows up and she's like, hey, remember me? I'm an FBI agent now. And everybody's like, okay, <laughs> I guess. That's almost the exact reaction. There's one or two people who go, I guess. But yeah, everyone's just like, all right, fine. Um, They do some <laughs> stuff and then Gail's like, guys, I found something. And they're like, how did you find this? She's like, because I'm a reporter. And they're like, okay. Investigative reporter. And they find this pitch in like movie theater. It's been transformed into a ghost face museum full of like OG stuff from like the chair that the boyfriend was tied up in in the first movie, the knives, the costumes, the masks. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I, for the sixth film in a franchise, I'm actually on board with this location and this setup. Um, I think it's a cool place to have a fight. I think it's a cool thing to, to bring the nostalgia back. It, I, it worked for me. What do you think of museum? You think the, the Ghostface Museum was cool? Yes. I, it, to me, it's like, ugh. I mean, I start to be like, all right, so you're telling me that one psychopath kid who's really into all this, was able to pr somehow procure. And then I'm like, dude, it's the sixth movie in a horror franchise. Who cares? It's cool. So it turns into like, for me, I, I can't help but like not be able to suspend my disbelief that hard. But then I like think and say to myself, dude, it's a fucking sixth movie in a, fr a, a slasher franchise. Just have fun with it. And I'm like, that's a fucking cool set piece, right? It's cool that we're in this movie theater now. There's a, a row of ghost face costumes. There's masks. There's knives everywhere. It's like, okay, yeah, actually, you know what? That's pretty cool. I'm I'm having fun with this. This is cool. So then the Randy of this thing and the Hayden Penetier of this thing 
Um, they're like, oh, I heard you like horror movies. Yeah. What's the best nightmare on Elm Street scene? Part one. And I'm like, wrong. Part three. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Wrong. I, I thought they was going to say part three or part one. Like part one, I was like, Rumi's not going to agree with that. Wrong. Um, I mean, it's fine, but it doesn't even know its own rules yet. I mean, uh, fine. Okay. And then they're like, best Friday the 13th. And they were like, part two. She what? said part two. And then the Arla girl said, Final Friday? Uh, yeah, you part part four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one with um, uh, uh, Corey Feldman. Uh, Corey, I had a Feldman. On Corey Feldman. Yeah, not a bad one. Not a bad one. But uh, the correct answer is part six because you get he's back. The man behind <laughs> the man. Come on, that alone. The soundtrack. You get alone. no argument from me. Six is my six is probably Ugh. my one single favorite. And then they're like best Candyman. I'm like. That's not even a franchise that people ask that question to. The first one is far superior to anything else that's been done. The new one was fine, but boring. So, oh, what? see, I would, I, I like their answer for that because that is the correct answer. Both, both of them. them. Uh, but like, <laughs> then they acted like respect. Like, who talks like this? It's true. You're right. I mean, we we do. We 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 did <laughs> five years of a podcast of it. But like, I don't know. It just, Again, I don't believe that those people have seen those movies and I don't believe that they believe their answers. How about that? <laughs> well, it also felt like very much. It just felt like I, I guess the best way to say it is if you think about um, storytelling, right, whether it's a movie, a video game, a comic, there are beats you have to hit, right? You have to explain the characters. You have to show the, the problem. You have to show the encounter. You have to show a climax. You have to show the conclusion. I shouldn't see those. Those are underpinnings that you should then build on top of. And it just feels like, oh, we're going to make it so that these two characters have a conversation where we know, we know the audience knows that they both know the rules. They have a mutual respect for each other and that they think they might trust each other. But like, you can't just have a, a, a conversation where you're like, hey, do you also know horror movies as well as me? Okay, then we will both be friends. Copy that. Like, that's not a scene. <laughs> that's just literally the underpinnings. Like, that's the... like. Foundation. It's it's the Randy scene. It's the yeah. hey, here's the rules. You don't need to tell me the fucking rules. Show me the rules. Show me them in action, in dialogue, in discussion. You could have had you could have had uh, Randy too be like, oh, this is like that thing in in Nightmare on Elm Street, right? And and Hayden Panettiere could be like, oh, you like Nightmare of Elm Street? I've always been partial to Part Three. Like, have her one upper in a conversation correct Don't just have them be like we need to sit here and ask each other questions now here is the things we must do to get to the next scene right it, like yeah you're right again again you're hitting the beats because you feel like you have to not making a movie because that's how movies work yeah it's like if you think of a house right the first thing you i mean i guess you pour the foundation first then you put up the framework then you put up the walls then you put up the siding siding is a polished script if I could still see the lumber, the framework of the house, you did a shitty job writing that house, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, t- to be fair, they're like, we didn't think you were going to film inside. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's what it is, right? You shouldn't, if I'm watching your movie, I shouldn't see the underpinnings. I shouldn't see the structure, your storytelling structure, you yeah. know? It's like it's having a, a person saying like, well, this is the climax of our evening, so we must get ready for battle with the bad guy. You're like, dude, you're reading to me how to write a script. <laughs> In 10 more pages, we need to be into the darkest night of our soul. And I forgot to save the cat. So I will go pick those things up. Um, yeah, that like, girl says it a lot. That Randy, Randy girl is like, you're number one on my list. He's number one on everybody's list. Nobody knows where this guy has been the whole movie. We don't trust him. We get it. You don't need to keep 
she's such a dick. Pointing it out that there's a list. Um, we have this cool. Um, I don't know where it happens, but the, the subway scene happens a little bit later. Uh, uh, oh, we get the Gale scene. So uh, they, they tried to do this human bait oh, thing yeah. in, in the park and it doesn't go right. And Ghostface is like, ha I'm looking at Gale Weathers and like, oh, no, Gale Weathers boyfriend that we never met dies. And you're like, oh, well, I guess there's <laughs> another body. <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, the sorry, best is dude. Gale doesn't even care she goes Ghostface is like guess all he goes all those muscles didn't help much gail goes guess not <laughs> okay don't cry too hard gail yeah don't, she's not even named she's not even like oh no ricky, you should hear ricky. <laughs> you know it's a it's a fine little he chases her around a bit she locks him out she gets a gun and she a immediately pop. shoots through the door and then it's she's good. still that's talking good. to Roger Jackson on the phone, which is funny because like she's talking to him like that's him. Number one, she's been in five of these movies already, so she knows there's two of them. And there's no way that the other ghost face on the other side of the door who's just been shot at is talking on a phone. It's clearly someone else somewhere else. But she talks to him anyway, and she shoots a couple more times. And then she goes out there and tries to find him, and he's not there. He gets the drop on her and stabs her really good, right? Real good, yeah. Um, and then the two heroes show up at the last minute, and then the paramedics come in and save her. One, paramedics don't enter a scene unless the cops have shown up and cleared it if there's like a rampaging stabber on the loose. <laughs> so she would have bled to death in reality. Like that's what would have happened because the cops would have come in and wasted a whole bunch of time before the um, paramedics would show up because that's what happens in real life. But this is a movie. So they're this like, movie okay. also has numerous times where especially those two girls, but characters are in a violent, what the fuck is happening scene. And the cops run in with their guns and the girls just walk towards the cops and the cops don't even acknowledge the girls. Like if you were in a room where a stabbing just happened and cops were running towards you, what would be the first thing you would do? Get shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would put my hands up immediately. I would lie the down cops, on the floor. Yeah, right. I also think the cops would yell out, freeze, put your hands up because every cop go to that scene. Like you think that police captain guy was like, all right, there might be two young girls there. If they look sort of similar and have dark hair, they're probably the good guys. But we're not sure. Also, those like, they're literally looking for a person with a scream mask. That's the only person they're going to shoot Two people of suspect. Women of suspect from the first murder of the movie are keep showing up at crime scenes. They would be arrested. They would be in jail. Yeah, they would be under surveillance 24 seven. They would have ankle bracelets on they, like anyway. So then we have this cool subway scene and it's a good subway scene. You know, it's Halloween in New York on the subway. So you get a bunch of like costumed people. There's a, you know, a pinhead. You see a bunch Freddy's, of ghost you see faces, a bunch of ghosts, a bunch of ghost faces. And the lights keep flickering as they go through parts of the subway. It's a good scene. It's effective. It's, it kind of reminded me of the Predator scene from Predator 2 on the subway in L.A. That would have been a good costume to have. Yeah. Right? They were definitely doing like other universal properties. I get it. But that would have been cool if there was a Predator 2 in there. Or at I, least the Bill Paxton. Yeah, I thought that scene was really effective. Again, a good set piece for a movie that, that, that need, you know, like the smart set pieces for a movie that needed more help. So I, th I thought this was a good scene to keep things going. Um, they get to one of the people gets stabbed. The Randy gets stabbed. They get to the movie theater. They've turned it into a trap. Of course, it doesn't work like that. And the ghost faces are already there. Um, turns out there's three ghost faces. Well, well there's there two. is a red herring where they say it's Hayden Pedentianangelo. 
yeah. and you're like, oh, I suspected her from the beginning. But then I'm like, first of all, in the scene right before they make her look bad, someone punches a ghost. Uh, the boy Randy punches a ghost face in the face hard, takes ghost face right off their feet. And I'm like, okay, whoever shows up with a giant black eye has got to be Ghostface because he fucking walloped them. And I'm almost like Hayden Pedentulentula in the movie and in real life seems like she's like a little like bite-sized little girl. And I'm like, you can't, you can't have a child playing Ghostface because the height differential would be so huge. <laughs> and I was like, that's not like, I'm just imagining like six foot tall Ghostface walks in, pulls the mask off. And then we see in the wide, it's little three foot seven Hayden Pedonkadonk and she's got no mask on with the hood. <laughs> But that was it was a good white herring. I, I I don't know if I believed it, but I was definitely like, oh, it was her because the cop says the cop who's the overacting cop is like Hayden Padonkadonk. We called her FBI and her FBI says she's got fired a while ago because she's mentally unstable. Everyone's Which, like, oh, no, oh, no. Yeah. Um. So there's two ghost face and a cop now. Um. And it turns out they're his kids and the roommate, the sex positive roommate, not dead. It was a trick. And he orchestrated it as a cop. He made that work. And I'm like, he must have paid off a lot of people. Where'd you get a body to switch out? Like, how He just this- said, he just said you could switch out a body. He just verbalized that. But also with the sex positive roommate, if the sex positive roommate was having positive sex and the guy across the hall, across the alley was watching her and saw a ghost face in the room, that means either dad or brother was in the room (laughs) with sex positive get boned. (laughs) I just realized when you were explaining that scene, I just realized like that means the other ghost face in her was a blood relative. Now, hate. Is uh, she caught on? She was smarter than Scream Six because she was like, "We've seen him stab everybody else. We did not see him stab the roommate." I was mm-hmm. like, "I mean, she was covered in blood. She's dead. Like her dad's sad. Look." And she's like, "Yeah, but if you don't see him stab them, then I don't think he stabs them." And I was like, "Ah, oh, no, no, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it." <laughs> she was right. She sure. called it, and I was wrong. She might um, be short, but she's smart. So then cop takes a Matthew Lillard page from the Matthew Lillard book of acting and he starts overacting the shit out of the scene. He takes like a Matthew Lillard page and then hits it with gamma radiation (laughs) and he's just twirling his mustache. (laughs) You killed my son and now I'm evil and my children are also and then they're twirling their little mustaches. (laughs) Yes, daddy. Yes. It. it, I so, hate that. I hate that. Here's here's. Uh, l- let me just cut to the chase. Uh, they they defeat them because that's what happens in screen movies. <laughs> One of the guys gets his head smashed in with the Randy TV from the original movie. Okay, fine. Here's what I want the ending. <laughs> okay, fine. Here's what I want. Here's my pitch. Mm-hmm. Because the whole movie is about the sister being a killer and this whole thing about the internet believing that she's a killer. My pitch for the final scene is Halloween night in New York in. Central Park, tons of people everywhere, lots of people in Ghostface costumes, and the killers have left out Ghostface masks and left out knives and been like, that chick that you all hate, she's in Central Park. Somebody take her out. Wait, say that to who? Puts it out on the internet. Puts oh, it out so like the, the, the shit, the knives and shit are just like in Central Park or something? Just in Central Park. Uh-huh. They, she basically gets, gets, um, gets warrior, where, where Ghostface... Yeah, yeah. Puts out a message over the internet that's like, Sam, that murderer, she's here and you all know what to do. So now all these people are dressed as Ghostface and you have to, de- she has to decide, is a random person going to come up and try and stab me? Do I just have to start stabbing random motherfuckers? Like that would really put into question the internet truther idea that they 
put forward, take it to its logical thing, because that's where we're headed. Like, mm-hmm. literally, we are any day now, somebody's going to be on the internet and be like, I dare you to take out X politician, Y politician. Like, we're, we're, we're that close to the internet turning into just some shooting board job site. I think if that movie went that direction, it would have been way darker and way more compelling to is she a murderer? Is she going to have to start murdering like eight or nine people who are going to come for her? Like, that'd be fucked up. Put a target on her back in the middle of New York on the on Halloween Eve. Like, what? That would be nuts to me. And I think that that would have really put forth the, you know, wh- what I think this was trying to say about the Internet, but didn't touch. Mm. So what I would do, I and I thought they were going to go something close to this was when I think the last of the killers to to be alive is the dad, the the cop. Yeah. She has a fight with him and he's at her mercy. And she says something like, I'm not a killer. She takes a step back and then she looks at her sister and she thinks about it and she goes, but you did fuck with my family. And she stabs him in the eye, which is pretty baller. But I thought they were going to have her be like, no, I'm not a killer. I'm not going to not going to perpetuate the cycle. And that he was going to have to face justice. If you do that, you set yourself up for the sequel because one of the killers is still alive. I think that makes sense. And that would have been good for her character because, no, I'm not a killer. I don't really care. It's the sixth movie in a fucking Scream franchise. And I was not invested. Like, I was not um, rooting for any of these characters or anything like that from the get-go or throughout the film. At that point, it didn't matter. Like, she could have pulled out an Uzi and just, (laughs) fine. I would have been like, I don't care. Fine. You know, (laughs) She's like, you're wrong about me. I'm not a killer. I'm actually an arsonist. It just lights the place on fire and walks out. A <laughs> little um, bit of a firebug. It was, um, you know, it's fine. And then everyone in the core four is still alive at the end. The two Randys are alive. The two dumb, girls are alive. Whatever. Dumb. All right. Fine. Oh, and that's the boyfriend. Say, that's a. Oh yeah, yeah. The boyfriend from across the alley. I like him. I like it. Was he was a good red herring because they told us. Like I feel like we knew him as the audience. We knew him and knew about him. Just enough to make him a good potential suspect. But at the same point, you don't know anything about him, so you don't really care about him. You're not really invested in their relationship. Whereas, like, during the different times, like, Sydney blames, uh, was it Billy? In the first movie? In school. And she runs away from him. And you kind of feel bad for him. And then later on, they make up and you feel happy for them. You know, at least ostensibly. Then at the end, when he is the killer, you feel bad for her because of that back and forth. In this, you don't feel anything with anything because you don't care about... I didn't care about the girl, but you definitely yep. don't care about the guy because you don't know anything about him. Well, uh, he's in a show that I like called The Other Two, and he plays he plays a doofy boyfriend, but he's like goofy in, in that oh. TV show. In this, uh, in this, he's like more serious, but I, I like him as an actor. He's good. Well, something that I can't stand with this, and I can't stand it with every single Marvel can't movie. stand it. Every single character is a quippy little Spider-Man, and I hate it in the Marvel movies because... Spider-Man should sound like Spider-Man. Every other character should be a different character, except they all say the same type of jokes, the same sense of humor in every situation. It shouldn't be like that. Like Spider-Man, I don't know in what movie because they're all the same movie. In one of those movies, he goes, oh, we're using our our fake names or our our superhero names. That should be Spider-Man. Captain America shouldn't say that. Iron Man shouldn't say that. Doctor Strange shouldn't say that. If everybody talks like that, they're all the same. In this movie, when they did Core 4, She's like, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that either. Up top, core four, not doing it. Nope, not doing it. Core four, you do it. It's it just, it's four, it's four people. Three of them are saying the same exact thing on the script. You wouldn't know who was saying it by the, by the words, by the dialogue, because it's written for the same person. They just all keep doing it. And when I watched it this time, I remembered hating that in the first, and in the last movie, two, scream five. 
specifically those sisters and specifically Wednesday, she has a great delivery and a great jokey delivery. But in those scenes, everybody else is doing it. Everybody's talking to everybody the same way. That's like, when a script doesn't know how to write for the voices that they're in. That, that was a, like they wrote about, a funny gimmick and then just didn't think of the first yeah. movie. Right. At any given point, you have Stu, who was a little uncouth, not reading the room. He loved Tatum or, you know, at least ostensibly loved Tatum. And he was a goofy guy. You have Billy, who was the bad boy who's trying to fit in with everybody and was being cool. You have Randy, who's just a fucking weird social guy and obviously likes horror movies. Sydney is the is the final girl, the regular girl. And Tatum is the slut. And they, you know, to the sex positive one, they all talked in any given situation. They all played like those characters. When they were talking about the party, Tatum was really interested in the party. Uh, Billy said he would go or uh, Stu said he would go. It's just they were different people, but they it's finding your voice. That's scene, that, you know? that's how. A, yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, again, a sign of of mm, I don't know if it's weak script writing or just like on the day they thought that was a funny thing. Like it, they just ad libbed it. And that's why it's all goofy. And like, and the, the, like that scene played. But it sounds like Wednesday could have been every one of those characters. And it would like push the way she was talking. And I do feel that way with the Marvel movies. It's like if you take an Iron Man movie, I know he's in an iron suit. and He's fighting Iron Man bad guys. But all of his dialogue could be Spider-Man dialogue. When you take Dr. Doom, uh, sorry, Dr. Strange, well, and you take all the mystical elements out, but just look at his dialogue. It's all Spider-Man dialogue. And yeah, I, I no, they, they found out that that humor is works really well. It's and... funny. It does work. And that's why everyone likes it. That's why they use it. But like, ugh, I don't yeah. watch. I don't want to watch all of my favorite thing <laughs> all at once all the time um everything all at once everywhere uh so where does the franchise go from here man where does it go what do we do what's scream Oof. seven i have an idea but i feel like we should do a whole episode about it really because i'm thinking we should do a whole episode too i think i think it's time to take this bad boy to space baby i was gonna say my idea is scream seven would be out of this world if you catch my drift I think we should blast this thing off to another iteration of this franchise. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should get someone involved with the franchise's production involved in our next episode. I think we should get someone from Woodsboro to join us. You want to get the voice of Scream to join us on the next episode (laughs) to talk about Scream in space? Yeah. Join us next week. Join us next week, Roger L. Jackson, on the Launchpad Podcast to talk Scream 7 in space. Uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm super pumped about this. We've had this idea forever. We've been trying to make this happen forever, and now it's going to happen. Roger L. Jackson, the voice of Ghostface, will be on the Launchpad Podcast once again, talking Scream with us in space. <laughs> I can't believe how cool we are. <laughs> yeah we we <laughs> it is watching fucking scream six the other night and listening to roger jackson i was like just talking to that guy on the phone the other day and it's like surreal right it's absolutely surreal when i was on i am legend i did there was a night where i spent a good chunk of the night in will smith's trailer fitting him for an appliance so like shooting the shit, being professional, putting shit on his underwear. Literally, he was standing there in boxer briefs and I'm kneeling down, putting something on his thigh. And then that night I went back to my hotel room and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was on. And it was like this weird feedback loop of like the whole time I was in his trailer working with him, I didn't have like 
I wasn't starstruck or anything like that. I didn't have that. But just to then see him 15 years ago on television was this weird, like, I just, he was there. It helps when they're cool. Oh, I've, for sure. I've, yeah. I've also had that thing where you're like, you're watching something on television and you see somebody come on. You're like, the person's a pain in the ass. Dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have too. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, like, I, I wonder how many people she bitched at walking to set. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what shitty coffee order they were forcing the PAs to go all over town to get the Yeah. Like there, there's times where you're like, man, that's cool to see that person on TV. They're fun mm-hmm. to work with. And then there's like, that person sucks. I know that motherfucker. <laughs> I know that motherfucker missed his mark like four times before they got this thing. I can tell just by looking at us that they didn't memorize their line and they're just flubbing their way through it. <laughs> you can look like even in the edit, you can see on their co-star face that they're just like, motherfucker didn't even learn their lines. <laughs> you know what I like to do too when I watch movies that I was on set for? I like to be like, I was just on the other side of that door because I, you know, I had a blood rig or something or I was literally under the piano for that shot, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I unfortunately say that shit out loud and everybody who I watch movies with is like, shut the fuck up. I, Nobody I gives know, a shit. man, you're in the industry. <laughs> yeah, they're like, and I found a turtle right over there and I caught a butterfly <laughs> on that, that field. That might be one of the most ruby things I've ever heard you say. I found a turtle right over there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, there's a movie that uh, I made in high school, a Vietnam film that is um, terrible, but kind of funny. Uh, and, uh, Every time we watch it, my dad would be like, oh, right over there around the bend, I caught a turtle. <laughs> that time. is probably like the most dad situation, right? Yeah, yeah, to yeah. repeat that lame ass part of the story. Sorry, Mr. Aaron, but that lame part of the story every time you watch that Vietnam movie. I also love the idea that you guys keep doing that like every Christmas. <laughs> or something. Every day. Yeah, that was when we break out tags. Um, I, I Oh, my God. It's like when you watch a movie, like you just look to the people who worked on it, you're like, how were the bugs that night? Yeah. <laughs> how, how late did you go? Was that a 14 hour? Tell about your four banger. How was the honey wagon? Was it, was it overflowing or was it pretty pretty good? Did you have a C forty seven holding up that gel? <laughs> <laughs> what was crafty like that night? Hmm? Oh. Is, anybody, is anybody still listening? <laughs> anyway, we have digressed. Um, but yeah, next week, Roger L. Jackson on the show. Rumi, let's blast this thing off. Taking the franchise to space. See you guys in space. Here's we are out. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one.